Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, good morning, New Spring. How's everybody doing? Doing all right? Wow, okay. Um, thanks for watching online, for watching online. I worked in student ministry for a long time, so I'm always asking for responses, and that was great. That was way better than some of the middle schoolers. Um, hey, let me start off by asking you guys a question. Um, what has been, how many of you ever had to make a significant move in your life? I think probably most of us have had to make some kind of significant move in our life. I've had several. One of the first ones that stands out to me is when my family moved from a small church to a big church. We were part of a really small church from birth all the way until almost through middle school. And um, my mom just felt like the Lord was leading her to take her family somewhere that was really going to engage with them and help us make our faith our own in a really powerful way. And, and so um, my, we've moved from a small church to this church almost 20 years ago when, they first, when we first built our campus out here in this area, back when there was nothing else around here. And I remember, still remember driving up K96, or driving, I was riding in a car, and I saw New Springs campus like slowly come above the horizon. I thought, oh my gosh, that's a big church. I don't want to go there. And then we sat up there in the pews, and I was thinking, I don't know if I like this. And then my mom had us attend the youth group that was happening on Wednesday nights. And um, I, had, I was a little nervous to go. I'm a bit of an introvert sometimes. And I just, I'm nervous around new people. And so I have, I had a, a twin sister. Um, we are not identical. Yes, people ask me. I just felt like I need to clarify that. But we showed up to Wednesday night and she came with me. And that made it a lot easier because I didn't have to go alone to a room full of people I didn't know, which is always intimidating. And when I showed up, I met a guy named Jimmy Dinsmore. And Jimmy Dinsmore was the kind of guy that <laughs> he was this upperclassman that anytime you asked him how he was doing, he would say, I'm peachy, I'm peachy, which sometimes, you know, annoyed me because I'm like, you can't always be peachy. Life is not perfect. But he had this phrase for his life. He said, I'm just striving to make heaven a little more crowded. And uh, you got to see his interview before the service. But Jimmy Dinsmore was, just made me feel like I'd been there my entire life. And in fact, later that week, unannounced, he showed up to my house with a group of people from youth group. And then we just came into my basement and sat in my room on bunk beds and inflatable furniture. And we, they just talked to me. Like they just wanted to know how much they cared. That changed my life. That made that move so much easier. And then the second move I think about was when I moved to college. I remember, going, I remember telling God early on, God, I never want to, I'll do anything, but I don't want to live somewhere cold like Wisconsin. And I never want to drive a school bus because I'd ridden the school bus from like kindergarten almost all the way through high school. And I was just so tired of riding the school bus. We were the first one on and the last one off. It was terrible. And um, so I, that's why I told God, well, I went to college in Wisconsin and then I met my wife at that college who's from Wisconsin. And so I got stuck there for eight more years. And then the organization down the road from our college was a bus company and they employed almost all of our students. And so I had, as an 18 year old, I had a morning bus route, which I feel like should be illegal, but I, I had a morning bus route and I'd come and do classes and I'd go and do an afternoon bus route. And that's how I paid for college. So be careful how specific you get with God on what you don't want because he has a humor, a sense of humor. But there were seven of us from this church that went to that college together. And so, you know, Wisconsin's almost a thousand miles away and this is my first time away from home. And that made that experience so much better because I had this group of friends with me. And of course that shifted over our time there, but and we met new people, but that was significant. And then my wife and I moved here 10 years ago to come be on the staff of this church. And we were so, I was so excited to come back home and be a part of this church that made such a big difference in my life. 
And, um, you know, my family's here. I grew up here. And we came. And um, you know your family loves you when they help you move up three flights of stairs. We got a, a third floor apartment. We were like vaulted ceilings, you know. But then we forgot we had to move everything up three flights of stairs. In August, when it's so hot, it feels like you're standing on the surface of the sun. You know, that's how you know your family loves you. And you guys ever just move? And, you know, as you get older, you accumulate stuff. You're like, what's in this box? I have no idea. I just move it from place to place. It just says Rachel stuff. And just boxes of books we've never read that we want you to carry up three flights of stairs because we have to put it somewhere. And so I just remember that move was so much easier because have you ever tried to move a couch by yourself? Okay, it's not easy. And so having family was super helpful. So here's what I've discovered is that all those moves in my life were made, had one thing in common that made it easier, and that is other people. Right? I mean, what I've discovered is that whether it's moving or working out or riding a tandem bike, which I did almost every day during the summer, my, friend, my neighborhood friend would show up to her house on this two-seater bike. Let's go. We just rode around dirt roads playing spy on a two-seater bike. That's, that was my childhood. And so whatever it is that you're doing, I've discovered that lots of things in life, many things in life, perhaps most things in life are better not alone. And the truth is that's God's design. That's his idea. I mean, if you look in the creation account in the book of Genesis, we see very early on God's heart for this. He says, then the Lord God said in Genesis 2, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that's just right for him. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived apart from Jesus, made many observations about life. If you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's just like this guy is just using this wisdom that God gave him to write down all these things about life. He's like, nothing's new under the sun. This is meaningless. And then he said, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And so whether you believe in God or not this morning, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, but I think all of us would probably agree that what God says in Genesis and what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes is true, right? Because come on, whether we'll admit it or not, we all crave connection. We all desire real, authentic community. And by community, because that you know, has a lot of definitions, here's what I mean. I mean a sense of belonging, I mean real care for one another, and I mean accountability. We all want somewhere to belong. We all want someone or someones to care for us, and maybe we want others to care for. And we know that almost every aspect of life needs accountability, whether it's financial goals or fitness goals or your job or relationships. If we want to achieve most things in life, we need someone keeping us accountable. But the problem is that maybe many of us would say that we don't really have community. Like when you talk about care and accountability and and a sense of belonging. I'm not sure if I really have that. And maybe you used to, you know, but then life changed. You got married, you had kids, you graduated college, you moved to a different state, you got went to a different church, you started over, and all those friend groups that were tight and that were knit, they held you accountable, suddenly they're not there anymore, and then you just hard to get back in that rhythm again. You know, or maybe you're, you're the kind of person that has community, you have people all around you all the time. But you, those people don't really know you. You've never really given them access to your life. And so there's not a whole lot of care and accountability there. You know, you've got 2,000 friends on social media and you've got a gym membership. You see the same people every week. But no one who really knows you and no one who holds you accountable and no one who challenges you and checks on you. And then perhaps because of your lack of community or your struggle to connect, we start to convince ourselves, you know what, We're just, I'm just better off on my own. Anyways, like I... I don't need someone who really knows me. Besides, every time I let someone in my life who really knows, I get hurt. And so I'm done doing that. Or, you know what, I don't need a place to belong because I should be enough. I don't need someone to take care of me because I can take care of myself. I don't need accountability. This is a DIY generation. I'm sure I can figure out what I need to do by myself. But the reality is that we know that's just not true. Those are lies we tell ourselves. And so the question is, how 
and where do we find and experience real life-changing community? Well, in this series, we've been talking about New Springs DNA. What, who are we? What matters to us? Why do we do what we do as a church? And if you were here the first week, Mark talked about what's a church supposed to do. And we talked about our journey and the reason that we exist. And last week is one of the greatest messages you could ever hear. If you haven't watched it, you should go back and watch it and you should share it. He talked, Pastor Mark talked about the message of reconciliation. The most important thing that we must do as a church, the thing that we have to get right, is helping people understand how to connect with Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross and rose again so they could have a way to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. That is the most important thing that we do as a church, and we have to get it right. And so today, I just want to take it a little step further and talk about community and how the reality is that we are all better together. Community is a part of our DNA as a church, it's in our vision statement. This is our vision statement, our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others in order to grow strong and produce fruit for the kingdom of God. But what does that look like? How does someone find that here in New Spring? Before I tell you what that looks like, I want to talk about why it matters. Because I think that probably if I talk to you one-on-one, I think all of us would say, okay, I know that it matters, but I'm not really sure why it's that important. Or maybe you just need to be reminded of why it's important. I think oftentimes we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. And so maybe today I can hopefully encourage you and remind you of why this is important. And in order to do that, we have to look at what Jesus said and what he did and what his followers did and what they said. And when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he basically grabbed 12 men and, and started the first small group ever. I mean, he spent three years with these men. It was 12 men, three years, one mission. And after three years of miracles and parables and road trips and intense conversations and interactions, Jesus died. And then he rose again, and then he showed himself to hundreds of people who became eyewitness accounts for the gospel writers as they wrote the accounts of the life of Jesus. And then he told his disciples, hey, I want to I meet up with you at this one place, and I'll, I have a message for you and for all of my future followers. And we, it's what we know as the Great Commission. This is what he said in Matthew 28. He said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And if anyone ever says that to you, you should lean in a little bit because what they say next is really powerful. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples all the commands I've given you. And remember this, be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if I'm the disciples, this is just my imagination. I, w- I would have a lot of questions, right? Okay, like first of all, like, okay, Jesus, you've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Um, yes, you were dead, you're alive now, we believe you, okay? Like, we, we trust you, um, but you have all authority and you're sending us? Like, you're sending us? Like, can you just, are you sure you don't wanna do something else? Can you at least give us superpowers? You know, Peter was probably like, I walked on water once, I'd like to do that again. You know, Andrew's like, remember when you multiplied food? Can I have that one? That would be really cool. And I think Jesus was like, well, yes, yes, and, and sort of, no. I mean, yes, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and yes, I could do anything, but I'm sending you. And no, I'm not going to send you, I'm not going to give you superpowers, but I will send a superpower known as the Holy Spirit who's going to come and dwell inside you and do extraordinary things in and through you. Yeah, but Jesus, I mean, how are they going to be convinced that we're your followers? I mean, why would they believe that? Man, don't you remember what we talked about? Okay, in John 13, Jesus said, hey, this is a new commandment that I give you. Love each other just as I love you. And look at this, your love for one another will what? Prove to the world that you are my disciples. Yeah, but what about your body? Don't they need to see your body? I mean, people don't just believe that dead people come back to life. Aren't they going to need proof? Well, yeah, they won't see this physical body, but they will see my body because you will be my body. You will be my representation to the world. And later on, the apostle Paul 
who tried to stamp out the Christian movement, became one of its greatest champions. And he wrote all these letters to these new, new small group communities and, and churches about what it looked like to function as the body of Christ, that we all have different skills and talents to work together and show the world who Jesus is. In Romans 12, he said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And 1 Corinthians says, all of you together are Christ's body and each one of you is a part of it. And so the disciples went on to do exactly what Jesus charged for them to do. They, this small group of 12 men went out and transformed the world with the message of Jesus. And the church began. And we saw God do something extraordinary. He sent his Holy Spirit to come and dwell in the lives of believers. And they saw, the world saw something happen that had never happened before. But in Acts chapter 2, we see the beginning of the church. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes with the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Because they were loving one another as Jesus told them to love one another and using their gifts to operate as the body of Christ, more and more people came to know Jesus. The world saw something happen that had happened before. People from different languages and upbringings and backgrounds and races came together and were united because of the message of Jesus. And then they formed a community like never before. And so just by looking at what Jesus said and what his first century followers did, we see why community matters. And the first reason it matters is because community communicates Christ. It communicates the love of Christ to a lonely and broken world that's watching and looking for hope. By the way, we love each other and serve one another and fellowship together and use our skills and talents as the body of Christ for the glory of God and the good of others. In fact, Jesus prayed for this to happen. Did you know that, that um, Jesus prayed for you? I, I love this. In John 17, Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples. I get chills every time I read this. But for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. And as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. May they have experienced such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Community communicates the love of Christ to a world that's looking for hope. And the second reason it matters is because community cultivates change. It cultivates life change. It creates accountability and care for one another. It leads to spiritual growth. And the reason this is so important is because when the early church began, it was really exciting. But then very quickly, life got really difficult. There was a lot of persecution and there was a lot of uh, temptation to kind of fall back into old lifestyles and old traditions. And many people believed in Jesus, but following Jesus every single day was really hard to live out their faith. It became really difficult. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote so much of the New Testament as letters to these churches, churches reminding them, hey, you have to stick together. You have to stick together because we need to spur one another on. Because what they would see happen is that people would fall into these old temptations and lifestyles and traditions, and they would begin to drift from their community of faith. And once they saw people drift from a community of faith, they would begin to drift from their faith and their relationship with Jesus and go back into old ways of living that just weren't healthy or good for them. And, and come on, we all understand that tension, don't we? 
especially last year, when life threw off our rhythms and what the community and the connections we had, suddenly we didn't have them anymore. And it was just, man, we just felt isolated and alone. Or maybe, you know, you have that, you're following Jesus, but you still have that friend group or those family members that kind of live life in a way that you've been trying to get free from and they pull you back into that. We all wrestle with that tension all the time. Paul even talked about that in Romans 7. He said this, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I, don't, I want to do what is, what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. The truth is that as we sing about today, we are all prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's why Paul wrote so much of the New Testament as letters to remind people, hey, you're not in this alone. And when you try and do it alone, it doesn't work out. So stay together because we all have that pull back to that old way of life. Galatians chapter 6, look what he said. He said, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should forcefully and aggressively help that person back on the right track. That's not what it says, but that's how we feel sometimes, right? Get in line, okay? It says gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful. Why? Because we're all prone to wonder. Don't fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Hey, love each other as I have loved you. That's how the world knows who I am. It's so important. In fact, later on, we don't know who, really, who wrote it really, um, the author of Hebrews. Some people think it was Paul. Some people think it was Luke or Barnabas. There's a lot of different ideas out there, but um, it's kind of a mystery. And so, but we do know it was written to a Jewish audience, um, to a group of Hebrews. And these Jewish uh, people, they'd grown up in a specific tradition. And then they put their faith in Jesus because of what he did. But they still had friends and family that were growing up and practicing these old traditions. And so they felt this pull to go back to this thing that they just grew up learning. And old temptations, old lifestyles. And so the writer of Hebrews, the theme of Hebrews is, hey, Jesus is better in every way. And so he wanted to remind them of the power of sticking together. In Hebrews chapter 3, he said, be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. In chapter 10, I love this. He said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And since God is faithful, let us find ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Why is that important? Because that doesn't come naturally. You don't have to motivate someone to sin. You don't have to motivate someone to do wrong. We got to motivate each other to acts of love and good deeds constantly because we feel the pull to do what is wrong. And let us, and this is so important, because oftentimes we stop prioritizing the things that feel like they're not a priority. I mean, when life gets busy, the first thing we cut out of our life is, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to small group because it, I was just, I'm missing one week. It's just one week. It's just two months. It's just... We, we think we need to neglect meeting together, but the author of Hebrews says, hey, don't neglect meeting together, as some people do, but instead encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. The word encourage comes from a Greek word that means to call near, to implore, to invoke, to exhort. Community communicates the love of Christ to a lonely and broken world that's watching, and it cultivates life change that creates care and accountability and belonging, all leading to spiritual growth. Faith begins with the message of reconciliation, but faith comes alive inside a community. And so the question is, what does that look like here at New Spring? How do we foster the why and the what? Well, 
to be honest, um, our mission doesn't end with people beginning a relationship with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. That is what matters most. We want people to know Jesus and what he's done for them and have a relationship with him. You can be forgiven because of his grace. You can come as you are. That's why we exist. But to be honest, we're not content with you stopping there. We want you to pursue a relationship with Jesus and continue growing because we know that God has so much more for you. And he has so much more for me. And we know that oftentimes God uses our stories to help other people know him. So we must continue pursuing him. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can experience community here at New Spring. Pastor Mark says we only do about a five things here at New Spring. Not because we only want to do a few things, but you can do a lot of things average or you can do a few things excellent. And we want to focus our energy and resources into things that we feel like foster life change in people. And the first way that you can experience community here at New Spring is this. A weekend service. Whether you're standing shoulder to shoulder with people in the room or you're huddled around the television screen or computer screen, there's something powerful and empowering about getting together corporately to worship Jesus through music and through giving and through serving and listening to his word. I mean, some of you maybe were invited here by a friend and you had no idea what to expect, but then you see people like raising their hands and shouting during the songs and you're like, what is going on? This is different. This is a different kind of place. What does this mean? Or you know, maybe you're just driving by and you just happen, there's some loud music there. Let's go check it out. There's something different when we come here. And for many of us who are followers of Jesus and maybe have been for years, this is often the thing that motivates us to keep going through the week. We get filled up and excited and reminded of who God is and who we are in God and we go back out into the world and hopefully make a difference. So this is an extraordinary way to experience community and often the first thing that we neglect when life gets crazy. And the second thing we want people to think about is starting point because all of us, when it comes to our faith, have a starting point. And if you're blessed like I was to have a starting point in my faith when I was young that carried me into my adult life, That's extraordinary, but I know many of us are introduced to faith in Jesus at an early age, and then life gets crazy, and we stop pursuing it, and then we need another starting point as an adult when it comes to our faith, and so starting point is just a five-week class we do here at New Spring. We have some that meet on the weekend. We have online groups that meet um, during the week. I just finished one on Thursday night. We had someone from North Carolina in our group. So this isn't just for people here, but it's a five-week class. And really it's for anyone who's new to faith or you're returning to faith, or you just have questions that you've never been able to wrestle with or have answered or ask. And so it's just five weeks and we get eight to 10 people in the living room setting. And we say, hey, we want to ask, we want you to feel safe to ask all the questions you have. Whatever questions or concerns or confusions you have about God or Jesus or the Bible and where you fit into all of that, starting point allows you to wrestle with all those tensions. Really the question we want people to really think about during those five weeks is who is Jesus and what does that mean for you? And if you were here last weekend, you saw in, all, in the baptism videos and many of the baptism videos we do here and the testimonies we hear from people, almost every single one of them has been through starting point. And that was an impact and it's a big part of their faith journey was helping them understand who Jesus was. And then we have an eight-week class called Next where we talk about how do we study the Bible? What is baptism? Why do we do that? It's an extraordinary way. And so if, you're, if that's something you're wrestling, that might be an awesome way to experience community. Or maybe you're like, Dan, I don't know if I want to experience that, but I've been there before and I would love to help facilitate that. Well, that leads me to the third thing we do, which is volunteering. Now, before you check out, okay, I know it sounds like I'm teeing you up and here's the sales pitch, all right? Uh, Here's the catch. You came, I knew there was a catch, all right? Just hear, hear me out. Let me just speak to this practically for a second. When it comes to what we do on a weekend, it takes about 800 to 1,000 volunteers to make New Spring happen, okay? That's just the reality 
Um, we, and we do, we do that for a reason, but um, if none of our volunteers showed up next weekend, this would be a totally different experience, okay? It would be way different. But we don't just have volunteers just to have volunteers. That's not why we do it. We've created a church where it would be very heavily volunteer-oriented because we know what that does for those who volunteer. We know what it does for your faith. We know how that takes you to, to encourage you. And when you show up, and encourage and invest another hour of your week when you don't have to just to set the table for somebody else. Do you know what that does for your relationship with Jesus? When you circle up with a group of seventh grade guys or junior girls every single week and just show them God's love by being present in their lives, do you know what that does for those, the next generation when they see this caring adult showing up when they don't have to and loving on them? When you're a 45-year-old woman and you co-lead a, a group of second graders or fourth graders or kindergartners with a 16-year-old girl and you have multiple generations serving the next generation, do you know what that does for your faith and for those of the next generation? When you hand someone a warm cup of coffee, when you smile and you help them find their seat, when you lead them in worship and help them express to God all the things that we wish we could express to God during the week, when you run a camera so people all across the nation can hear the message of Jesus. I talk to people every single week on the phone who have given their life to Jesus by listening to a message and they were just flipping through the channels and happened to come across Newspring and couldn't flip anymore. Cameras, volunteers allow that to happen. When you have this new mom or a single mom trying to figure out where she fits in trying to figure out how am I going to do this on my own. And you love on her baby for an hour so she can drink a warm cup of coffee and be poured into. Do you know what that does? For your faith, when you help someone take a step closer to Jesus, it's extraordinary. Do you know what that does for the people watching when people come in here and they're like, are all these people getting paid? Nope, they do it because they want to. What? That changes the game for so many people. All of us have a gift to function as the body of Christ, a special function. To, get, to, to work together to show people the love of God. Maybe volunteering is where you need to step up. Or maybe this next one is really close to my heart. And that is New Spring Groups. New Spring Groups is, you know, about seven years ago in our student ministry, we, we began to really wrestle with this tension. We had this thriving, exciting environment for middle schoolers. And, and, you know, it was fun. It was engaging. People were learning things. But we saw a lot of students slipping out the back door. And that broke our heart because we thought, man, they come and they say they're having fun but they're disconnected. And so we decided we got to change some things and we wanted to build a small group culture where that became the heartbeat of our student ministry. And so we found, we started raising the expectations and the standards of our volunteers. And we said, hey, listen, we want you to come and take a group of sixth grade guys and be their leader from sixth grade and then in seventh grade and then in eighth grade for three years, just like Jesus did. And then we want you to move them to what's next when they graduate eighth grade and you go back and you do it again. And then we did that with high school, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. You get seniors and you help them mobilize their potential. And then you go and you start over and you do it again. And then 4th and 5th graders for two years. And then 2 vd two, one year. And with toddlers, they do that with toddlers. The same consistent, caring adults showing up in the kid's life. That changed the way we do ministry. And we, now we're in a role where we get to help adults do that. Parents or grandparents. Do you know what that does for your students' faith when you prioritize circling up with a group of peers every single week or every other week in the middle of your busy schedule so that you can give others access to your life, do you know what that does for them? 
Or if you're single and you're like, hey, I'm trying to find the one. What if you were with a group of guys and you were, had a, a, group, a, a men's group and you were studying together? How do I become the one I'm looking for is looking for? Let's focus on that. And then maybe God will bring someone my way. What if we focused on our relationship with Jesus and investing in one another? It's extraordinary. When you circle up with a group of peers in a similar stage of life for a season of time and you invest in one another and you carry each other's burdens and you hold each other accountable, it changes the way you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And it's care. It's extraordinary. And so I wanted to share with you, um, because my wife and I have been a part of several groups here at New Spring during our 10 years here. And right now we're part of a married couples group, and we meet every other week on a Wednesday night for two hours, and we study God's Word. Sometimes we do a book study, and we just pour into each other. And we also do other things. You know, we had a, a gentleman in our group that got baptized not that long ago. We got to celebrate that. We had a, a young lady who had a baby and we got to celebrate that. We have another one that's having a baby in July and we, we get to celebrate all these big milestones in people's lives and be there when challenges come up and encourage one another, but also keep each other accountable. I mean, I can't walk through the hallway without the men in my group. And these are like manly men. They're like way more manly than me in this group. And they will stop me in the hallway and hug me and say, love you, brother even if I don't want it, okay? Like that's, uh, you know, they're just like, bring it in, okay? And, and I love that. I, it forces me to slow down and they keep me accountable. And so I wanted to share with you a text message I got from one of the men in my group because I think it just shows you, um, one, the care that I get to experience and I want you to experience, but also the accountability. So this is from him. He said, hey, sorry to blow up your phone, but um, you've been on my mind and I just felt like I needed to reach out to you. Lately, I've noticed myself saying a lot to others and myself in some form of feeling stressed and having doubt and feeling anxious. But today, while I was in Acts, it talks about the apostles waiting for God to send them off and to spread the news of Jesus before the Pentecost. And just imagine how anxious they were before they had the Holy Spirit fill each of them. Imagine how fired up they were to go spread the good news, as well as the emotional roller coaster they'd been on with the crucifixion and then Jesus resurrecting and then him leaving again. And God is always with us, whether we're on top of the mountain or in the valley and we're struggling to see a foot in front of us. God does not waste any season or valley that we're in. He is with us in everything. And he knows what we can handle. He's using these times for our own learning. You have so much going on with being a spiritual leader as a husband and a father for your family, as well as taking on a new role of being the leader of groups. God is using you in miraculous ways. And this is where he held me accountable. Take some time to look at the blessings around you and that you're able to be a part of and thank God for them. And take some time to spend, get, to get into the word, to nourish your soul. And so I read that and I thought for a minute, man, this guy's calling me out. Like he's telling me I need to remember to read my Bible. So I texted back. I said, how dare you? I am a pastor. I do not need your help. I'm just kidding. I did not say that. That would be terrible. That's ridiculous. I'm not like that. Um, I just texted back. I said, hey, appreciate that, bro. Which I know is not nearly as long as what he texted me. But I did put two exclamation points to express my enthusiasm. <laughs> And then later on, I texted him back. I said, hey, man, I, I just was reading back through your text, and I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to my life. The accountability I have with our group and with guys like you has been such a blessing. Your texts have been exactly what I needed to hear. Just want you to know I really appreciate it, and I love you. Okay, so why am I telling you this? Because here's what I want you to think about. I just want to leave you with some questions as we wrap up our series. Because for many of us, maybe you're volunteering, but you're not connected in a group. Maybe you're connecting in a group but you're not attending a service or watching online. Or maybe you're volunteering, but you're like, I really just need to figure my faith out more. Starting point might be for you. I think all of us have something to consider or pray about, and so I just want to leave you with some questions to consider. But before I do that, can I just say this? I know you don't have time for this. I know we're all busy. 
I'm trying to find more time to fit in a small group and another hour of my weekend to volunteer. Like, I know you don't have time for that, but come on, just imagine with me for a minute. Okay, what I've realized in my life is that for those, I've seen people, young people, so connected to a community of faith and loving their relationship with Jesus. And then I see them start to drift from their community of faith and they get disconnected. They stop volunteering. They stop showing up to group. They stop showing up on the weekends. And then I read on social media about all the heartbreak that they're experiencing and the difficult things they're going through and the decisions they've made to fall back into old things. And I've realized that people, when they're the most unhealthy, are the most disconnected. The times I've been the most spiritually unhealthy and mentally unhealthy have been the times when I've been the most isolated. And so I just want to challenge you this morning that imagine how different your life would be if we were all connected to community. Imagine how different and empowered you would feel by serving someone else an extra hour of your weekend, even though you have a packed weekend already. Imagine how motivated you would be when you circle up with a group of peers on a Monday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night, even though it's been a really long day at work. Imagine how God can continue to use New Spring more than he already is through community to bring more people to him. So here's my question. First of all, do you wrestle with your faith's starting point? Does your faith have a starting point? Do you have questions you've never been able to ask? Starting point might be the next thing that you need to experience. The second question is, are you serving and using the skills and gifts that you've been given to help other people? Are you setting the table? Because come on, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we know someone did that for us. Someone set the table for us. Someone allowed us to experience Jesus because they did something they didn't have to do. And you know what? You are gifted with a special function that only you can do. It might be similar to the person next to you, but God has wired you uniquely. And if you don't do it, no one does it. And if there is something that you can do to really invest in other people, are you showing up? Are you doing, are you setting the table for other people? And the last question I have for you is who outside your immediate family has access to your life? Who holds you accountable? Who reaches out when you don't show up? Who carries your burdens when things are just too heavy? A new spring group might be for you. So here's why all of you just think about. You can text talk to us, one word, talk to us to 97,000. And what that does is it's going to send you a form that just has options. I want to join a new spring group. I want to join a starting point. I want to volunteer. There's, I want to get baptized. And there's even a little box where you can expound on what you're looking for. But I want you to pray about what this might be for you. And we have a lot of new spring groups. Many of them take a break during the summer because it's a busy time. And so they leverage that season and they restart in the fall. And so that's what we're doing. We're spending the summer recruiting to find more leaders so we can launch more groups in the fall so more people can get connected. And so maybe you're like, hey, I want to be a part of a group, but I would love to lead one. Man, we want to encourage you to just pray about that. And so either way, if you sign up, hey, I want to join a new spring group, we'll get you added to a list where we constantly communicate you through the summer and say, hey, here are some options that are coming. We're going to get you connected in the fall. Same with starting point. We do have a starting point group that's going to start this summer. But in the meantime, all of us can pray about and consider volunteering and setting the table for somebody else. And so as we wrap up the series, I just want to leave you with our mission statement one more time. Our mission And our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others in order to grow strong and produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Life is better connected and we are better together. So New Spring, let's continue the work. 
Because as the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is coming soon. And I want to take as many people as I can with us. Community communicates the love of Christ to a lonely and broken world. And it, communi- it cultivates life change in us so that more people know him. So as my friend Jimmy Dinsmore would say, let's strive to make heaven a lot more crowded. Let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for who you are, for your love for us for sending Jesus and that he didn't stay in the grave. We thank you that he's alive today. We thank you for what that means for us. And God, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, I pray you would help us to come together. I know sometimes when we get together with people with different perspectives and backgrounds and races, it can be, it can be uh, messy in conflict sometimes. But God, you want us to work together so that we can show the world who you are, to love each other as you have loved us, to prove to the world that you are real. And God, I pray that you would just help us think about where we need to get uh, plugged into. Whether we're here in person or we're watching online, there is something for everyone and a place for everyone to get connected. Thank you that we have the freedom to do that today because of all those who have given their lives throughout history to bring us to where we are today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.